This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few minutes, Sherry McMillan returns to talk about family trusts and other ways people can protect their hard-earned wealth and businesses they've spent a lifetime developing. In our second hour, we'll meet Paul Terrier from Haystacks Financial, who says mortgages are complicated. Getting one shouldn't be. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And the Royal Bank of Canada has lowered its posted five-year fixed rate by 15 basis points, down to 3.74%. Mortgage analysts say RBC is the first of the big six to cut its advertised five-year fixed rate after a fall in five-year bond yields. So, and they go on to add they expect other big banks to follow suit in the coming days. When asked what prompted the rate drop, an RBC spokesperson said the number of factors have impacted the Toronto-based bank's cost of funds, including the rate the bank pays in the wholesale market, increasing regulatory costs and market volatility. The experts say now that market volatility has subsided, the bank's competitors have started undercutting big banks, which which puts pressure on all of them to act. And we'll have lots more on mortgages in our next hour with Paul Terrion. Sears has confirmed the chairman and largest shareholder Eddie Lampert's hedge fund has won tentative approval for a $5 billion plan to buy 425 stores and the rest of its assets. This all came down on Thursday, preserving 45,000 jobs, but is subject to court approval on February 1st. Unsecured creditors will have the opportunity to object before then. Lampert, the only one to put forth a proposal to rescue Sears in its entirety. He had increased his bid multiple times. Still, many experts believe a smaller version of this retailer will still not be viable as it faces increasing competition from the likes of Amazon and Walmart. For the lucky few, it's the gift that keeps on giving. We told you last week about a Cathay Pacific snafu offering premium tickets at a fraction of their value. Well, it's happened again for the second time in less than two weeks. On its website last Sunday morning, Cathay Pacific was offering first class tickets from Lisbon to Hong Kong using a connector flight through London for just 1500 bucks. The similar journey in first class would have set you back about 16000 typically. We're looking into the root cause of this incident, both internally and externally, say Cathay, uh, who attributed the error to an input issue. They do say they will honor the cheap fares for a very small number of savvy and fortunate travelers. Uh, Cathay had a tough year last year, continuing to struggle with the rise of cheaper mainland Chinese rivals and losing $33 million bucks in the first six months of the year. It'll only cost the airline a few seats again this time, but expensive mistakes like these, both this week and last, won't help the bottom line much either. Vancouver's Oak Ridge Centre and Pacific Centre Malls rank number two and number three as the most productive in Canada. According to a new Retail Council of Canada report, Yorkdale Shopping Centre in Toronto, the most productive, uh, while Oak Ridge ranking two, Pacific Centre ranking number three, the year ending August 31st. All of the retail data came from mall owners. This contrasts with uh, Canadian malls with American counterparts and found that our malls were generally more productive even though the top producers 
producing U.S. malls racked up considerably higher sales per square foot. One rationale for why Canadian malls outperform the U.S. ones is there is significantly, significantly rather less per capita mall space in Canada. Another possible reason is that products in Canada tend to cost more because of taxes and duties. Four other B.C. malls, by the way, in the study's top 30 in the country, Metropolis at Metrotown's number 8, Richmond Centre 13, Guilford Town Centre number 21, and Coquitlam Centre number 27 of the top 30 malls in Canada. Those are some of the top consumer stories we're looking at this hour. We'll have four, um, some more for you later in the hour and lots more next hour, too. Coming right up in just a very few moments, Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox. It's a pleasure to welcome back Sherry McMillan from McMillan Estate Planning to the program. Hi, Sherry. Hi. Welcome to you, Sterling. Well, it's good to have you back with us. It's uh, It's been a, a while since we had a chance to talk, and you've had a couple of seminars in Vancouver, and I know we're here to include a conversation about an upcoming seminar next month. But first and foremost, let's talk about estate planning, as we are in New Year's resolution territory here. This is a time where you've been at this a long time. Do you find, Sherry, that in January, a lot of people get busy in terms of, well, you know, I've been putting this off for years and years and this year it's time to get it done do you find people like that calling you up these days well january actually sterling is one of our busiest months i'm sure and i i do think it's due to new year's resolutions it's a topic that people put off and it's not shocking as to why nobody wants to contemplate their own demise well sure and and so you know it it really is an important facet, and I think in modern times, people don't comprehend that estate planning is not about dying anymore, but they've always thought of it from that point of view. And the reason I say that is many of us, many of us are going to live to 100. And so truly, estate planning should be about your life. How do you design your estate to carry you for decades and decades into the future? And how do you design it so that it creates freedom for you to choose what you want to do? And this is, and this so, is I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but this is kind of a bulwark of uh, Macmillan Estate Planning's game plan, uh, uh, talking about estate planning being about living, Sherry, as opposed to being about dying. Yeah, uh, ultimately, dying is one moment in time. Mm -hmm. And when we create an estate, it isn't for the purpose of dying. It's for the purpose of living. And we want to utilize our estate to enjoy life and share it with others that we love. And so we're seeing in modern times a different approach to estate planning. You know, historically, estate planning was about keeping that tiny nest egg for a rainy day. And then if we were very fortunate, our parents would transfer us a small estate. Mm -hmm. But today we're very wealthy, you know, in Vancouver, for example, you know, just have owning a property can be half a million to a million dollars easily. And so we have high net worth as a community at large. And because of it, we do have to contend with how will we design ourselves so that for the decades ahead that we're going to be alive, how do we not only protect ourselves to be sure that our lifestyle is ultimately safeguarded for those decades but also how do we share it because a lot of people are considering sharing their estate rather than waiting until they pass because if you do live to 100 your kids are 70 
That's right. But, you know, my mom is 96 and just very fine. Thank you very much. So if it's in the genes, Sherry, I could be a candidate as well. You could be talking to one right now. And and more and more of us. I mean, we're just healthier people. The statistics from every government on the planet will bear that out. We, men, and particularly women, are living longer. So estate planning has a lot to do with not only protecting what you've spent your life earning and building up, but also preserving it, Right. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so many considerations when you think about preserving. And, you know, the last few years, as we all know, we've had a lot of economic downturn. And, you know, what I share with families is we're going to spend longer in retirement than we did in our working career, which is a phenomenon. More people are going to be over 65 than under for the first time in North American's history. Mm-hmm. So this is very different. It's a different approach to how we should be planning for our lives. Now, with that in mind, the great part is, because we're going to have so many decades of retirement, what we have to think about is how do we design it to protect ourselves from inevitably economic crisis that are going to happen, you know, how many times during decades ahead? It could be, you know, half a dozen times that you experience downturn. Mm -hmm. It's part of the pattern of life. And so what's important is not to protect yourselves in the good times, only. But more importantly, how do you protect yourselves in the bad times? Because you're going to experience them, you know, obviously more than once through these decades ahead. And Uh, so that's an important facet we have to give contemplation to. Absolutely. 2008, the last big meltdown, wasn't that long ago. A lot of us have very vigorous memories of that and don't want to see that happen to us again. So who are we talking about here, though, Sherry? Who needs estate planning? What sort of individual? Well, I think we all do, truthfully, but I think what, you know, becomes more relevant is families that have high net worths. So families that have, you know, real estate portfolios, uh, family farms, businesses is another facet. Um, because what we've done is we've created sizable estates or executives with high values in bonus and pension. And so when we start to have millions of dollars, we have a lot to protect. It's not $5,000 anymore. It's $5 million sure. and so forth. And so, you know, it, it is a really important facet to give contemplation to because what's important is not only that we protect it from, you know, the crazy of markets, but also we protect it from taxation because it's one thing to have an asset base, but I always say what's more important is how much of the asset base creates you income and how much of that income do you get to keep because that's what we spend and that's what gives us quality of life. And so we need to look at it from more than one angle, whereas generally in investment planning, we just look at it as, you know, which investment should I buy? But we're missing so much more than that. How is it legally protected? How are we going to have it taxed? And how much of it can we actually keep? And all of those facets have to be weighed into the equation to make the right decision. And there's absolutely, as was the case in 08, uh, no one saw that kind of global meltdown coming. And uh, I think in terms of predicting taxation levels, I mean, predicting the stock market is actually much easier. There's no way any of us listening to this conversation today can go with certainty. Well, you know, uh, five years from now, the personal income tax rate in Canada should be 42%. There's, there's no such way to prepare for that and governments come and governments go and different governments tax at different rates all we have to do is be in some kind of position sherry to weather those tax storms don't we that's right and so i think what's really important is that we know uh, inevitably that we're going to experience all kinds of variables through the retirement 
phase of life. So the governments are going to change the rules on us. The stock market is going to crash. Sometimes the economy will be very healthy and sometimes it won't. So how do you design your estate plan to weather those situations? So one of the tools that we have in Canada, which is such a blessing to all of us, uh, Sterling, is something called a trust. And a trust is a very unique opportunity. It's what the wealthy have always used in England to protect their estate. Mm-hmm. So it's not a secret. The Queen of England has her estate in a trust and everybody benefits from that trust in her family unit. So it's a bloodline protection first and foremost. But more importantly, it's also tax protection and asset protection. So one of the unique blessings that we have in Canada is there are two industries. We have the bank system. And when we are doing investment planning for retirement, we can buy our investments, no matter what they may be, GICs or mutual funds or stocks. We can buy those within the bank system. But the problem is we take on the accountability of the markets. So if the markets go down, so do we. Sure. And that's just the reality of that system. Now, the trust system... Um, was designed in a different manner because originally in Canada, it was created for widows and orphans. So it's very protective. And so when we do investment planning, instead of doing it through the banking system, but through the trust systems, we can actually negotiate with the banks a principal guarantee of the asset base. And this is government regulated. And unlike the bank system where we have a cap of 100000 per person, right. in, in the trust system, we don't have a cap. Oh. And so if we want to buy, like, say, a mutual fund or some stocks, we now know when we're buying that portfolio, we can't lose the capital. That's a very different position when a 2008 comes along and we're not as afraid because we know what we've built up will be there for our lifestyle. And so many of us don't know that we have this privilege of using trust laws. We just simply do what we've always done, which is more met to the masses of using the banking system because that's how we are accustomed to doing things. However, in England, we always use trusts for the wealthy class. And so that's my rule of thumb for families is if your net worth is starting at a million, five million, ten million, you've outgrown the traditional approach of bank systems and wills. You actually need trust planning to protect your lifestyle. I should probably let our listeners know as you discuss uh, British uh, conditions and situations so knowledgeably that our guest, Sherry McMillan, the CEO of McMillan Estate Planning, has clients and business in Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom, and soon to be Hong Kong. So, yes, a global individual is who we're talking to today. Now, back to the trusts. If I might ask a silly question, Sherry, I just don't know the answer to this, because you talked about the banking system and then the trust system. Does the trust system operate independently of the bank, Sherry, or within somehow within the realm of banking activity? Well, it's an excellent question, and I can give you a little bit of a backstory. If you like Sterling, sure. so you can see how it evolved. And it was actually when legislation was first enacted in Canada, we had the banking system, of course, first. And the banking system was to help those farmers coming out west, you know, to get a little money and buy their farm. And then if they were lucky enough to have a good crop, they would put that money in on deposit to the bank, maybe buy a GIC. It was some time before stock portfolios came available in mutual funds. But the bank then at that time wrote a legislation that's very precise to us as a consumer. And what it says is anytime you have assets inside the banking system, those assets are considered public for the purposes of any creditor through your lifetime and again when you pass. So 
basically any credit risk you have, any liability risk in business or what have you, you have that asset base as exposed if you deposit it via the banking system. Right, okay. In addition, you have to probate that value to get it to the next tier of beneficiaries. And so at that time, through your will process, they can actually attack it as a creditor and say, I want to make claim on it. And especially in BC, this is important because in BC, we have to treat everybody equally, even if that's not fair. So you can see where the dilemmas come in. Then the last issue in the banking system is years ago, um, most of us know that the the uh, guaranteed level the government had imposed was 60000 through CDIC insurance, but they've raised that, thankfully, to 100000 Yes. But for affluent families, that's not that helpful because you have millions to invest. You, you know, you'd have to have so many different uh, institutions helping you to get any sort of guarantee. So that is the system that we have as one of the options. Now, a completely separate system is the trust system. And the trust system was created historically for us women, Sterling, because we weren't a citizen of Canada at the time when Canada came into play. Interesting. And and we weren't allowed uh, to hold our estate ourselves because we weren't an entity, a person. Well, women didn't even get to vote in Canada until the 1920s, for crying out loud. This is really interesting stuff, Sherry. Yeah, and so what happened at that time is the trust industry and insurance industry was designed specifically for widows and orphans. And because we weren't an entity, what would happen is, let's say the farmer would um, transfer the farm to a trust company and then any insurance that the farmer may have for his would go to the farm family, obviously, mm-hmm. inside this trust. And then the trust company would steward the care of the widow and orphan, you know, through life and make sure they were cared for properly. But what was interesting then, because this legislation was designed for widows and orphans, they wrote it very differently than the bank. What they said is anytime you hold assets through trust, they will be considered lawsuit protected through life. In addition, you won't have to probate them. And ultimately, what has happened since the 1980s is the trust companies have put in a 100% guarantee of capital, uh, no matter how high your net worth may be. So, you know, we have negotiated, you know, quarter million dollars sometimes and $250 million sometimes with the different institutions to get a guarantee. And so what is so unique about that is if you're affluent, you don't have to risk your capital to get that rate of return you're looking for. And we make the institutions accountable for doing proper money management for you. And so it's a very wonderful privilege we have in Canada, trust law, that many of us don't know we get to utilize. And as you mentioned, Sterling, we work obviously in many jurisdictions and we have a lot of U.S. families and British families that bring their wealth into Canada because to utilize of our, our trust system. Yeah, Interesting we're stuff. This is fascinating, Sherry. I need to take a break. We're going to pause for the news for a couple of minutes and lots more coming up with our guest, Sherry McMillan, CEO of McMillan Estate Planning. There's another seminar coming up in just a few weeks on February 7th. We'll give you all the details after the news. 
Welcome back to Vancouver Consumers. Sterling Fox joined by Sherry McMillan, CEO of McMillan Estate Planning, on the line to talk to us more about estate planning and to remind us all of another seminar coming up in Vancouver in just a few weeks on February 7th at the Marriott Pinnacle Hotel. Sherry, back to this whole, you were talking about trusts and and how trusts have been designed for quite a long time now uh, to be independent of the banks and therefore in more of a position position to to really dovetail nicely with what you do, which is uh, assisting families and individuals in protecting and preserving the wealth that they've accumulated and worked so hard to accumulate over their lives. And and the whole trust system seems to be 100% compatible with what you do. It's amazing. It certainly is, and obviously it's an area of expertise, uh, Sterling, and so when a family is seeking estate planning as their goal and objective, there's a couple things I always remind them is estate planning should not be about dying. It should be about your life and all the decades you're going to live, and also how to share that wealth intelligently through your lifespan with your family members. Secondarily, you want to look for someone that has a credential in this area because it is a very complex area. And what has happened, obviously, over the years is that people have become experts in this area. So years ago, you would normally have gone to your lawyer to design a will, for example. Okay, sure. And that's changed because what's happened, and one of my favorite lawyers always has shared this. He said, um, very sadly, he has passed, but he used to say in our office all the time, Trying to design an estate where families have assets in the United States or Canada or different provinces is like trying to play Scrabble and Monopoly all in one game. Mm. And so you better have good experts um, in each jurisdiction because because they can make severe mistakes if they don't understand particular regulations in particular areas. And so every estate is unique, obviously. We don't create an estate um the same way each of us are individuals so some of us create an estate through you know being an executive others create an estate from business and others create an estate from employment so we've got all kinds of ways in which we create an estate and then we add on that that our families are diverse so everybody you know doesn't always live two blocks away anymore (laughs) they often spread out over the world so I think what's really important is that when you're looking for an agency to help you with your estate plan is that you make sure that they are credentialed what is called a TEP, and it's an organization based out of England um, that recognizes those that practice as a specialist in this area. So basically the cardiologist, if I would call it that, uh, of estate planning. And these persons are licensed with what's called the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners. Is that a British thing only, or do we have that here in Canada too, Sherry? Thankfully, we actually have that here in Canada. So um, for those of us that are looking for an appropriate plan, we should be hiring individuals with these credentials because they're mandated to at least have 10 years of tenure. And not only that, but this is their entire focus. So, you know, this is what they're good at. This is what they do daily. And you can just imagine, even in the United States alone, there are 50 states with 50 different legislation. Of course, yeah. So it's not straightforward anymore. And so we have to be looking at it as holistic, as a family. You know, where are your assets? Where are your children? And what are the legislations in those areas, and how do we overcome them? So, so you're looking for an individual who has the letters TEP after his or her name, indicating that they are a trust and estate practitioner, correct? 
That's right. And then ultimately you can have the assurance that you really are getting the right um, people assisting you in designing your estate plan properly. Okay. And, and any, think, any other credentials to keep an eye out for? Well, obviously, I think there there are what we call tax lawyers and tax accountants. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people confuse accountants and lawyers as every accountant and every lawyer knows how to do this area. So my lawyer wrote a will, so he must be a specialist in this area. And I can tell you that it is not true. Um, in the organization of the Society and Trust and Estate is there's only about just better than 700 of us practicing in Canada, but you can imagine how many lawyers and accountants there are. So not everybody specializes in this area. So sometimes, you know, a law firm will do it for you as a as a pro bono kind of thing because they help you with your corporation mm-hmm. or your accountant that files your income tax is generally not a strategic accountant because they're doing compliance accounting. And so unfortunately in the community at large, people think that that profession will is everything. Um, but it's the same as the medical community today. We have a general doctor, obviously, mm-hmm. but if we have a problem with our heart, we go to the cardiologist. So we view ourselves as that architect. We're going to build the estate plan. We have a, in-house our accountants and lawyers are either a tax lawyer or a tax accountant, and they specialize. So, um, you know, ultimately we need this kind of sophistication. Unfortunately, I say in all sincerity, because we've become so complex as modern families and everybody's dispersed around the world and our assets are dispersed around the world and it's wonderful in some senses, but it does complicate our affairs to make sure we're looking at every angle. No question about it. Now, so we have an understanding of the sorts of credentials individuals should have when we are approaching people to discuss the possibility of doing some estate planning. And is now, now that we have some understanding of who we might want to talk to, Sherry, what are the areas that should be considered when completing an estate plan? What are we trying to incorporate into that big plan? So I think the two main facets you want to uh, give contemplation to is you want to spend about 80% of your time in estate planning contending with what we call your life plan. What are your goals? What are your objectives? What are you trying to accomplish? And designing your tax and legal work and investment planning around that instead of the other way around. Because frequently, um, you know, we take the advice of our accountants and lawyers, but they don't even know our goals and objectives. So I think I turn it upside down on its head. I'm quite contrarian. And I say, you know, the tools that you have in Canada uh, ultimately are your tools in your toolbox. What are you trying to build in the first place? And let's figure that out and then we'll pull out the right tools. So it's a bit of a different approach, I realize, but I think it's the right approach because we don't create an estate to plan uh, tax or law. That's irrelevant to us. What we plan an estate is what is it going to create for benefits in our life? Sure. What is it going to do? And so for some families, I'll give you a case study more recently. I'm working with a lovely um, gay couple here in Calgary, and they recently retired early, and they're deciding if they want to live on the island or in Spain. And so as we get debating with them, uh, the reason that they want to live in Canada is they think it will keep their estate simple. And I said, well, but where's your heart's desire when we're working with their goals and objectives? And they say, well, no question, we'd prefer Spain. And I say, well, what's the holdback? Oh, it would seem hard. It would seem complicated. Well, that's our job to make it not complicated. So 
you know, they didn't create an estate to compromise. And so I challenged them through the process, and I can be proud to say that they are now shopping in the new year in Spain for their property. Well, isn't that something? And, and I guess a lot of people, I'm sure that you encounter more than the odd individual or couple who are who have spent a lifetime creating an impressive degree of wealth and substance, and they are reluctant to, to, to get too far away from it just out of a, a pure fear that if they get too far away, it may go away. And you have to you have to calm people down about that. I'm sure you do. Absolutely. And also to look at it from a co-creative point of view. So what I always share with couples and, and single people that are on their own in retirement is we shouldn't be looking at it as what you should do or what society has told you to do, what is the right thing to do at these phases of life. Because we're living to 100, maybe at 80, you want to write a book. There's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, and maybe you want to write it in Paris and you want to sit in the cafes and do that. Well, then let's build your plan accordingly. And, you know, I have another family as an example of this, and they wanted to um, live in the United States because they've created a soup kitchen down in Florida. And, you know, if you just looked at the tax plan, that's a disaster because they would have U.S. inheritance tax. So as we got to know them and they shared that this is their real passion, now they get to give back and they want to do this. So what we did, it was an easy solution. So now they're going to live there during retirement and while they have health and run their charity, what we've done is we've just life insured the tax problem until they're elders and they have to come back to Canada at some point and then we can just cancel the insurance and solve that issue. So they're not letting the tax man or legal designs rule their life. They're making us find the right creative solution to serve them in their goals and objectives. And so I encourage families that if you're doing a planner, a plan with a planner that's not looking at your goals and objectives, you're not doing a plan because ultimately you can be told to do a million things. But if that doesn't meet what you're trying to accomplish in life, um, then we've missed the boat entirely. And we didn't work this hard. In Canada, we're not old money, we're new money, mm-hmm. uh, to not live our dreams. Sherry, I wonder, and just further to my, my, my last question, how many people tell you, well, you know, we'd love to live in Spain or Florida or Hawaii, but, you know, we have this wonderful free Medicare thing going on in Canada, and if we move, we're going uh, to forfeit that, and gosh, you know, we just, we're reluctant to let go. Does that happen every now and then? Oh, certainly. And so then there's co-creatives. Well, then we have you fly back for Christmas and you're in the province for your health care. You know, there's always a solution to that contention. Or maybe we buy insurance while you're abroad. So, you know, those are all of the holistic areas, Sterling, that I think are fundamentally important for families. So first, we would want to lay out your map. You know, what are your goals and objectives? And I can tell you, because we're living longer in retirement, nobody really knows that for sure, because we practice growing up in retirement. Mm-hmm. It's it's not an instant solution. We go, okay, we want to own a helicopter and run a, a company in Barbados doing tourism. And then you buy the helicopter and you don't like it and you sell it. So, you know, this is an evolution. And I always say it takes about three to five years for people to settle in to what it is they love to do. But then ultimately what we want to do is we want your foundational pieces that are supporting those goals and objectives uh, to be adaptable and grow and move with you through life because you're going to change. You know, what you may want to do the first two decades of retirement may look entirely different than the last two. Yeah, good point.
Uh, Sherry, so, no, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're, we're sort of running a little low on time, and I want to spend a little bit uh, of, of our last few minutes here talking about the seminar that's coming up on February 7th uh, down there at the uh, Marriott Pinnacle Hotel at 7 o'clock. You've, uh, this is, I believe, the third, if not the fourth seminar that you're about to conduct here in Vancouver. You will be here to uh, to do the, the seminar and, and be the person. When you give your presentation, Sherry, and then you open the floor up to questions and answers, people who come, who listen attentively, uh, they also come with questions of their own. What do most people, what, what do you find the common denominators that people still want to know more about after you've given your presentation? Well, I think one of the common questions is harmony. And harmony is a really difficult area in families because everybody has heard of a family who's fought over an estate. Mm-hmm. And none of us want that. We want ease for our family when our estate transfers to them, and we want to preserve harmony. So one of the suggestions I always make to families is what I call the Christmas question, Sterling. When we're designing your estate plan and we put into play the strategy you would like, if your family members were aware of the strategy, would they come home for Christmas dinner? Uh If the answer is no then maybe we should rethink this because we're going to create disharmony, obviously, if that's the answer. And so harmony is a very unique and moving target type of outcome that we want as families, but that's why most of us plan our estate. Yes, we want to mitigate tax. Yes, we want to have our assets grow well, but we also want to make it easy for our loved ones and we want to keep their relationships intact. So during the seminar, what we show families is co-creative Um, ideas that other families have used to not only save the tax and put things together properly, but how they preserve harmony with different techniques that are available to them. And so I think that's a fundamental issue in all families because nothing can cause more disharmony than a passing when everybody's emotional. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, create an uproar in the family unit. I have a a friend in Toronto. He's a wills and estates lawyer named Les Kotzer. And years ago, he wrote a book called The Family Fight and How to Avoid It. And, oh, my gosh, Sherry, the stories. Oh, so anything you can do to avoid those fights, good on you. Thumbs up. The seminar is coming up shortly. It's coming up on February the 7th at 7 o'clock at the Marriott Pinnacle Hotel here in Vancouver. It will be presented by our guest, Sherry McMillan. Uh, The website is McMillan estate.com. All the details and contact points are right there. MacmillanEstate.com. Sherry, thanks for this. I look forward to another opportunity to talk to you, perhaps even as soon as a month from now. Wonderful. Thank you, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Sherry McMillan of McMillan Estate Planning for another very informative visit. Coming up in our next hour is Paul Terrier of Haystacks Financial, who has a lot to say about mortgages in this ever-changing housing landscape. Time now, though, for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look, has a warning, rather, about pot and pets. Thanks, Sterling. Pitt Meadows resident Kim Morozovic was alarmed when her five-month-old Australian shepherd couldn't take one step without falling over only a short time after finishing up a morning walk on Wednesday. He first stood up and fell down, and then when I kind of got him standing up, he kind of, like, he put his legs out in a way, like, to brace himself, and then he couldn't move again. Once she realized he hadn't injured himself, she suspected River had ingested something while walking on the dikes along Neves Road in Pitt Meadows that morning. 
as a former SPCA manager who now works with the City of Surrey Bylaws Department, she saw the warning signs and immediately rushed him to the veterinarian in Aldergrove. The vet ran urine tests and found it was positive with THC. I carried him into the clinic. Um, it was a little more extreme then. He was even more kind of um, wobbly and rocking in place. And uh, I learned that uh, dogs with THC toxicity often exhibit um, a characteristic startle response. With marijuana legal now, Rivers owner wants people to be aware that discarding even a small amount of pot can make an animal sick. She said she's not condemning anyone from using pot, but just wants people to be mindful of how they dispose it or any edible. While it's rare that a dog would die from ingesting pot, there is a greater risk for side effects in smaller breeds, puppies, and older dogs. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. If your new year involves making smarter shopping choices, January is the month to start strategizing. Sure, you can just quit shopping, as some of us have been pretty much forced to do, but some experts say it's also helpful to know when things in Canada go on sale. It's also useful to have an idea of how much you can actually spend every month outside of your day-to-day costs, and those experts all recommend organizing a budget. Depending on where you live, some of these sales may not apply, but for the most part, these are general month-to-month breakdowns of when common household items and travel deals go on sale. And we'll look at the next few months today. For January, gym memberships are on sale, along with fitness apps and, of course, Christmas decorations. <laughs> they're, 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 they sell them for next to nothing in January. If you have the stomach left to go shopping for more Christmas stuff, you'll find literally the deal of the year. February offers deals on winter clothes, tax software, and indoor furniture, while March is the month to look for sales on luggage ahead of April when all the big flight, hotel, and travel packages come on sale. So far, no indication of the best month to buy a car. I guess those Prices never stray too far from where the dealers want them. Former U.S. President Barack Obama will be in Vancouver in March for an event hosted by the city's Board of Trade. He'll speak to the Board of Trade on March 5th, and the president of the board says they've been working for about two years to bring Obama to Vancouver, saying he's the most sought-after speaker on the planet, and we're absolutely thrilled to host him March 5th. Tickets for the event will start at 199 bucks. They will go uh, on sale to Board of Trade members next Friday. Any remaining tickets will go on sale on February 1st. And January continues to be a good month for food deals, and the newest one to get excited about involves our favorite movie snack of all time, Cineplex. He's offering a free small popcorn to patrons today. A deal exclusive to all scene members across Canada. This promo is to celebrate National Popcorn Day. Today, who knew? A big day for those who love snacks and shareable eats alike. Hey, it's a Saturday night. The Canucks aren't playing, so what to do? Well, how about a movie? Bring on the butter, bring on the movies. We're definitely taking advantage of free popcorn at Cineplex today. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have lots more next hour for you as well. And coming up, we'll also have a chat with Paul Terria after CKNW News. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.